truth offers itself from the sky or in the gospel or in our consciences. We see it. We reject it. Why? We suppress it. Why? We distort it. Why? We take half of it and keep the half we like and reject the half we don't like. Why? Because our heart is in love with unrighteousness. So why does the unregenerate heart always reject the truth? John Piper opens Romans 1 to answer that critical question in this episode of Light and Truth. This sermon was originally preached at Bethlehem Baptist Church on September 13, 1998. I've made a big deal in one of my books about gratitude not being the key to the Christian life. Rather, faith being the key to the Christian life. So... Those of you who are sort of tracking with the Bethlehem mindset should be listening to me right now saying, whoa, this sounds like a mega tribute to gratitude in this text. So what are you going to say to this? How does this fit? If life is to be lived by faith in future grace and gratitude is not the key to living the Christian life, what's this text about? Why is gratitude, why does it say, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who suppress the truth in ungodliness and then go on to say that what can be known about God is revealed and that those who know it do not glorify Him and trust Him. Why doesn't it say trust? Seems like your theology would say trust should be there, not think. Now there's a reason for this. At least I think this is the reason that Paul wrote it this way. This text is about natural revelation. That is, what is revealed about God through nature. It is not about special revelation and what is revealed about God through the Bible. In special revelation, as God begins to come to an Abraham and make him promises, come through prophets in the Old Testament and make them promises, come through Jesus Christ, who is the yes and amen to all the promises of God. As he comes and gives us a Romans 8:32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not, will, will, will he not future give us all things with him? When special revelation like that lands on us, it is thoroughgoing promises. And the right response to promises is not gratitude, but faith. And the power to live a distinctively Christian life is not just to believe that the sun is shining today, but that in 10 million years the sun will shine upon your life, saved by grace. And if you don't have that confidence, you can't live the Christian life. You can't get promises from the rising sun. It may not rise tomorrow. But you can get promises from the gospel. 
And therefore, when special revelation through the Bible in the gospel comes to us with manifold covenant promises about the covenant-keeping faithfulness of God to work for those who wait for Him, something awesome happens in our hearts in addition to gratitude. Oh, believe me, this text stands. Gratitude is essential for all that God has ever done to us. And the sea of grace filling up from the river that tumbles over the slice of the present into the past is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger every day so that as you stand on the cliffs between the present and the future and let your eyes glance back on the sea of grace, say thank you. (laughs) To put it mildly, Sing, dance for gratitude to what God has done for you and is doing today. The sun is shining on this wicked city. But as you turn from that sea of past grace into an uncertain future with your life, and you face the crises that some, like Tom Lane there, has faced with his wife's injury. You face that kind of thing. The rising sun doesn't. <laughs> what, is it, what help is that? Will this turn out? And then you go to the promises and faith. Faith embraces promises. So that's my answer to the question why it says gratitude here in this natural revelation context rather than faith. Now, one last question. Why does it say that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness? Why doesn't it say we suppress the truth in ungodliness? You see, it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And then, when he talks about the suppression of the truth, he picks the second one, not the first one, to say we suppress it in this one. Why? The reason is that the truth being suppressed is godliness. The truth is godwardness. Godness. There's a God. I'm to live for His glory. I'm to thank Him continually. That's godliness. That's the vertical thing called godliness. And that's what we don't like. And we suppress that. And He's answering a very profound question. Why? Why do human beings do that? Why do they distort it, evade it, suppress it, spin it, twist it, run from it? Why? And He says, it's all about their Unrighteousness. Now, unrighteousness here, I believe, is the life orientation of those who love sin, love wrong, love not the right. It's unrighteousness. And it's our love affair with the wrong that causes us to suppress the truth. About the right. I want to take two texts and then we'll wind it up to show you how this works. And if you want to go there with me, 
turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll take one from Paul and one from Jesus. The one from Paul is 2 Thessalonians 2. He's talking about the end times and the coming of the lawless one and the great apostasy and the Antichrist. And he's describing what's going to happen in the human heart and what is now happening in the human heart. And the analysis of the human heart is profound in these verses. Let's look at it. Verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians 2. This lawless one is going to come with all the deception of unrighteousness. Now take that phrase. Deception of unrighteousness. That means unrighteousness deceives A love affair and a commitment to what is not right leads us to suppress the truth and be deceived. Keep reading. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Why? Why do they love righteousness, I mean unrighteousness, and not the truth? What's going on here? Verse 11. For this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but... Now here this but is the is the analysis that goes to the root. They did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you see the relationship between truth and unrighteousness here? This is identical to the analysis in 118 of Romans. Truth offers itself from the sky or in the gospel or in our consciences. We see it, we reject it. Why? We suppress it. Why? We distort it. Why? We take half of it and keep the half we like and reject the half we don't like. Why? Because our heart is in love with unrighteousness. We love ourselves, we love sin, we love independence, we love self-determination, we love so many things that the truth sheds light on as dark that we don't want the light in our lives. We'll turn off the radio, we'll stop reading the Bible, we won't come to church, we won't listen to friends, we won't go to that camp, we won't talk with those people, anything, because they're always bringing light on the things that are dark in our lives and that we love. Now, before I give you the last text to look at, I want to I state a principle here that is so important. Listen, all you sages and becoming sages, this message is designed to help you know yourself and people. And here's a, here's a principle. The issue of truth is an issue of the heart before it is an issue of the head. 
Have you seen that now in what I've read? The issue of whether you are a truth-exalting person is first an issue of the loves of the heart before it is an issue of the rational ideas of the head. And that's scary. Because we like to think that if I can just use my head real carefully, I can get everything right. And the answer to that is, your head is a lackey in the service of the passions of your heart. We think we're rational, folks. We think we use our heads very coolly and objectively to assess all the evidence about who we are and where we're going. We're not cool. We are burning with desire that it not say a certain thing. And we take charge of our minds subconsciously and make those minds serve our desires. Just let my wife catch me in an inconsistency. Just let my wife find some little thing in my life and draw attention to it. I tell you, this brain got all its education. Whoa, what it can do to get out of that is phenomenal. Our brains are slaves to our passions. And therefore, the only answer is God changing our hearts. You must be born again or you can't see the kingdom of heaven. That's desperate, folks. And until you come to that desperate condition and say, if he's right, I'm really desperate. Because there are so many people who have self-made religions who think, okay, I think this, I think this, I think this, I think, and now I draw this conclusion, and therefore this is true, and therefore, and I'm in control of this thing, never knowing this thing is a desire factory. This heart is a desire factory that is so massive in its power that we will constantly twist and distort and adjust and evade and spin the truth to make it fit exactly what we want. I see it in the mirror enough to know it and speak with forcefulness about it. And it scares me to death. Last verse, if you want to look at it with me, John chapter 3. I want you to see Jesus, Jesus himself saying these things before we close. Chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 3, verse 19. Listen to these words. Oh, how good it is to see words spoken in different language about a truth that we've seen elsewhere in the Scripture. Jesus said, this is the judgment that light, you could say truth, has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Could he not have just as easily said, because of unrighteousness? 
Unrighteousness suppresses truth. Unrighteousness inclines us to love the darkness and hate the light. It's because we have a love affair with things in our lives that are wrong, that make us distort the truth and put the blame on other people and evade and spin. Look at verse 20. says it again. Everyone who does evil hates the light. So every inkling of desire that is wrong in your heart will incline you away from the light. And most of us religious types don't run from the light. We distort the light. We don't stop coming to church. We just redefine it. Let's keep reading. Everyone who does evil hates the light, does not come to the light, for fear that our deeds will be exposed. Hmm. Commitment to truth will never happen until a profound heart work by which we fall out of love with evil happens. You must be born again. Well, I suppose the last thing to say would be God is very angry at this. Verse 18, back here. He is very angry at the suppression of his truth. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Thank God for what's happening in Washington today. And pray this way. Oh God, this is a stunning work of gracious providence for this land. It is an absolutely amazing gift of God to this land. That the parable of my heart should be played out like that. Receive this as a gift, folks. Let your children hear this as a gift. Behold what happens when truth is forsaken, when truth is spun, when truth is evaded, when truth is run from, when we say, like a little child caught with his hand in the cookie jar, define cookie. Is it relations or is it affair or is it... Be thankful for what God is displaying for you. Embrace it. Confess your sins. Teach your children how not to hate the truth. There's a bondage in the human heart. President's hearts, preacher's hearts, human hearts everywhere. That if we don't get free by sovereign grace, every one of us will be a spin doctor. Be thankful and go to school. Go to school on Washington. It is a parable of the human condition. And I said I would close with the gospel. So let me remind you of verse 17, all you who sit there feeling, if you only knew the deception in my life. God knows the deceptions in your life. How many times you've told a half-truth at work, 
half-truth to your spouse, half-truth to a roommate, half-truth to your parents. Just, just weaseling. The answer to that is justification by faith alone. Because you're never going to get totally beyond it. You're going to lie in a hospital bed someday, facing your end. And when the pastor comes and says, how are you doing? You're going to twist it. Because you don't want to say how scared you are. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. And, and what frees you from being that way is a gift an absolutely free gift of righteousness that is God's, not yours, on the grounds of which He will take you home clean because Jesus bore it all. So receive that. Would you receive that? Would you live on that? Would you let that be your life? And as you live on that, God will make you a truth person. This is Light and Truth, God-centered preaching to help you see Christ clearly and treasure Him truly. I'm your host, Dan Kruver. Thank you for listening. On our next episode, John Piper continues our series on our gospel need with a sermon titled, No One Has an Excuse. I hope you'll join us. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.